Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Well, hello and welcome. This is Sandy Weiner. It sounds like that intro is a little loud today, so I'm going to take care of that. I am the Chief Love Officer at LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating, love, and communications coach for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a lasting, loving relationship. We have a fabulous show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with author, speaker, and influence expert Brad Harker, and we're going to talk about the power of influence in dating and relationships. And one of the subjects we're going to be covering is communication skills and how important that is, and As a dating coach, it's one of the things that I teach my clients every single day, how to really speak your needs and show up and be your best version of yourself um, in every aspect of your life, but especially in dating, because often we we don't do that because we're nervous, because we are um, afraid of being judged. And so um, it's, it's just so important to have good relationship skills. And a lot of people don't realize that we don't actually come with this rule book when we grow up. We are, we are influenced by people in our lives who may not have the best relationship skills. So if you did not grow up in a home where everything wonderful was modeled for you, um, that's why people like me and Brad are here to help you to get the skills that it takes to really show up and be the best you can be in your life and in your love life. And I uh, wanted to just let you know that I have a special offer for anybody listening today. Um, you can go to lastfirstdate.com, which is my website. That's lastfirstdate.com, and grab a copy of the top three mistakes that Midlife midlife daters make and how you can turn them around to find lasting love. And this is for men or women. It's um, a really fabulous like mini ebook, and it, it really outlines the things that people do over and over and over again without realizing it. And little tweaks can make a huge difference in attracting the person who's right for you. So if you want your copy, go to lastfirstdate.com and you can sign up on my homepage because I want you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by Audible.com. They are a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like. You'll get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now I'd like to introduce my guest, Brad Harker. He is an author, a speaker, an influence expert, an adjunct professor, and a consultant. His creativity and passion for problem solving has fueled a robust entrepreneurial background that includes the creation of several companies and more than a quarter billion dollars in sales. That's a nice amount of money. Brad's published book, The Laws of Influence, Mastering the Art of Sales, Leadership, and Change, has become the platform of his consulting company, foundersinc.com. Brad actively consults with professionals and organizations in the disciplines of sales, leadership, and influence. He lives in St. George, Utah with his wife and three kids. 
And you can learn more about him at bradharker.com. And he's calling in today from his vacation home in Montana. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thanks, Sandy. It's great to be here. Good to have you. So let's talk about influence in the context of dating and relationships. So what is important about influence? Or maybe start with defining what influence is. Let's start there. That's a great place to start. And what's uh, interesting is how I came to this theory of influence. Influence has really become my hot button, my, my topic. And I have always been very entrepreneurial in my career. And what's interesting, though, is I've never really considered myself a very good entrepreneur. Um, I've spent a lot of time in sales, but I've never really considered myself a great salesperson, which sounds a bit ironic. But what has been interesting about my career is I've always been really passionate about communication. And I've discovered that in regardless of what role I've played or regardless of what successful people that I've observed and what they did, whether they were in sales, entrepreneurship, or um, any capacity, I've just discovered that they have this, they had this thing, these, this collection of habits, abilities, traits, that what I started seeing as influence, because everything that we do is a function of selling. You know, we sell ideas, we sell ourselves and our relationships, we sell products, we sell services. Regardless of what we do, there is some aspect of, of selling, and we'll call it influencing. And so I've really focused for the last 15 years on what are the things that we can do and what are the things that successful people do that facilitate this influence, this magnetism, this ability for them to just to get results and whether it be in a relationship or a business. And so I've just spent a lot of time really trying to dig in and get to the nuts and bolts of, of what is influence. And what I've discovered, and it's something that I'm sure will reveal a lot of this in the, on the call today, um, as well as my book, really outlines what are the things that we can do to create influence in our lives, to have those meaningful relationships, to have a successful business, um, not just for money necessarily, but to achieve the results and the things that we're looking for, what, what truly satisfies and gives us purpose. So influence for me, Sandy, is really just that ability to um, communicate effectively, and whether that's in the function of selling or working with somebody else or interacting with somebody else, it's what is that that really creates that meaningful powerful results generating exchange. Wow. So this this really resonates for me, this whole idea of that that we're selling something all the time. And I think that we underrepresent ourselves over and over again. Um and I can tell you in the dating world, um I work with people over forty and I work with them on their online dating presence. And online dating is it's a marketing tool. And mm-hmm. when somebody lands on your um, site, they are they're basically going to either be brought in by what you're saying and hopefully you're representing yourself in the most most authentic way you can, um, or they're going to pass you by for a number of reasons. And so what I try to do is make people shine, bring out their best traits, and sell themselves, which makes people really uncomfortable. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it, it takes a lot. I think, you know, people are brought up to be really humble. And um, so can you tell the difference? Like, I, I love your take on humility and why, you know, sort of the difference between being humble and being able to actually sell yourself while still maybe retaining your humility. 
Sure. Well, you know what's interesting is I think a lot of people, when we look at, and it, this, you know, I sometimes I'll use selling or I'll use entrepreneurship as as my example, but it's a great metaphor for for communicating in general. So, um, any this, my disclaimer going forward is if I if I use an example, consider it as a metaphor for relationships because it really is exactly the same. Um, and what's interesting is we always I think that human nature is for us to feel like we need to be somebody else. If I want to be really good, a really good communicator, then I need to be a little bit more um, outgoing, energetic. I need to be funnier. And I mean, I can think of a number of times where I wanted to win a girl's heart and I felt like I had to adopt these characteristics that weren't necessarily me because I thought that's what she was maybe gravitating towards. Um, and we become this, we have a tendency to become something that we're not, but you use the word authentic and authentic I think is a really good um, similarity with humility. It's I think when we embrace that authenticity of ourselves and we just accept this is who I am, um, it takes some of that need to be uh, prideful or that feeling that hey, I've really got to push somebody. I've got to be somebody else to get something done. It's amazing how powerful authenticity is. And uh, you don't feel so much when you're being you you don't feel so much that you have to push somebody or, or lack some of that humility to get results because that's actually what is most compelling about you is what's authentic and what's unique to you. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't agree with you more. I think that there's been such a big push towards vulnerability and revealing more of who you are. And I think it's a fine line because I think um, what happens in – people who speak or write, sometimes they reveal so much about their lives that it's actually um, it's not successful in, in bringing us in. It actually pushes people away because they're still raw. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown. Um, the, she's, a, she's written many books, and she's a social worker who's spoken on vul- vulnerability and shame in, in her TED Talks. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with she is? Yeah, my wife raves about Brene Brown all the time, almost daily. Okay. She just actually recently yeah, okay. just read a book, so it's been a hot topic oh, at our house, actually. Oh, good. Well, that's, that's, she's a good person to read. Um, so she talks about how when people share um, too soon, when they haven't really worked through something and they share from the stage, for example, um, that they're actually, people are going to feel sorry for them or they're going to want to take care of them. Um, so that's, that's, I think people get confused about what it means to be open. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can be open from a place of strength and even from a place of weakness, but not expect other people to take care of you. I'd love to hear your yeah. take on that. Yeah, that brings up two thoughts. Um, I'll try not to get sidetracked. Um, the first one, and it's really important in any interaction, a rapport is often a word that, that I would I'd kind of lead with. Sometimes it's just like if I showed up at somebody's uh, – store and I, and I just led to the price, say, hey, I've got a great product, you need to buy it. It's immediately going to raise up all of these flags that are going to drive and just create more resistance and more walls um, because there's no rapport yet. There's, you know, you need to get some common ground before you can really start to create value for each other. And I think a lot of times we, just like you said, we lead with, with something that um, without rapport comes across as in a different light than it should. So rapport is so important, and you know we can talk a little bit later about how we what are some of the ways that we can build rapport. 
but it's really important to understand that that rapport, that preparation to kind of set the stage for whatever it is that's going to be the exchange is a really critical factor, um, both in communication and any other capacity. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk um, let's, about rapport. Cause, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about rapport because I think that's so much of what dating is, is building rapport. So if we get back to the dating and relationships, um, so say say more about that. So um, rapport is interesting, and there's a lot of – these are intimidating topics, right? I mean, I you walk into uh, a bar or you go into some sort of a – a place where you're going to be meeting other people. And it's that awkward, uncomfortable, those initial steps, right, that really freak everybody out where how do I how do I put myself out there and get to a point where I can have a conversation with somebody? And, again, it comes back to that authenticity that you mentioned. You know, it's, it's being you. It's being comfortable with who you are and what is great about you. Those are the things that you lead with. But rapport is is a really fascinating thing. Groups, it's it's really interesting. A lot of times I'll draw attention to this because you you get up there and you start talking and everybody's a bit uncomfortable. Everyone's trying to size up the speaker and the speaker's trying to get comfortable with the audience and make sure that they're resonating with the message. And at some point, everybody forgets that they're in that moment. Everyone forgets that they're listening to a speaker and they get engrossed in the story or engrossed in the message. And right about that time where you forget where you are and you become part of the message, that's when you, that's rapport. And rapport is such a powerful tool. And so when it comes to communicating in relationships, rapport is equally important. I can think of examples with, with my wife where we have a disagreement or we don't see eye to eye on something. And we come maybe in that moment we're both flustered or whatever and the conversation, the communication isn't ideal. But the moment that we become humble, right, we, just like you were talking about earlier, we put the walls down and we really try to understand each other. And I try to see it from her point of view and she tries to see it from my point of view. And we really get into that rapport. All of a sudden, the conversation changes and we become part of the same team as opposed to two polar opposites that are trying to hold firm to our position. And so rapport in a relationship is really seeking to, I guess a way to facilitate it, Sandy, is is really seeking to understand and relate to the person that you're communicating with. Now, there's some strategies that we can employ to do this a little bit easier. For example, you've probably talked to your clients about matching and mirroring, where we really try and match their tone, their their pace of speech, the, the inflections that they use, even their body language if we're in face-to-face with them. You know, if they're sitting with their arms folded or their legs crossed, we try to model some of those behaviors so that they we feel like we're like them. And those are ways that we can naturally facilitate that rapport. But I think the core, the most important one, is to look at them and say, I want to understand this person. I want to see where they're coming from and see the world from their vantage point, and that might help me create more value for them. And that's really that's the building blocks of rapport is trying to help and see from their perspective how you can create value for them. And it's a powerful tool in relationships. I know every time my wife and I reset and say, okay, I'm on your side, you're on my side. Let's try and work together to make this happen. It's amazing how much more seamless the conversation becomes. Mm. I love that you talk about being on the same team. And so I think a lot of people think that a good relationship means you never argue, which is totally not true. And (laughs) um, I think the point is to argue well. And what you're describing is, 
stepping outside yourself and trying to get on the same team and see things through the other person's eyes. And that doesn't mean that you have to agree necessarily. It means that you have to validate. Wouldn't you say that that's kind of where you need to be in the end? That it's just about validating and letting the other person know that you heard them. Oh, it's so true. One of the biggest mistakes that I see a lot of my clients making in terms of communication and selling um, is forgetting to understand and discover the needs of their client or their customer or their their partner. And, you know, a lot of times we lead with what we want or what we think that they want. And we forget to take a few minutes and ask. And in the sales environment, this is a huge, huge misstep when you you assume that your product is desired by everybody. And so you lead with all of the great features about your product. And this is no different than leading with all the great reasons for your argument or your position. Mm-hmm. And if you could just take a minute and say, and, you know, stop everything and say, okay, what is my customer? What is my partner? What is this person that I'm communicating with? What are they looking for? What's important to them? And really discover what their needs are. And then just like you said, validate those needs it's so much easier to create value and to resolve differences, to create value, to sell a product because you're now basing what is valuable to them and you match your argument or your position or your product to meet their demand, their desire, their need for value, and it changes everything. You know, you don't have to have all this pressure about are they going to like me and what, what, what should I lead with, what are my best qualities and what should I go out there and tell everybody that I do Instead, you know, take all that pressure off yourself and say, what is this person looking for? And ask some great questions. What is it that you're looking for in a relationship? What is it that you like about when you communicate with somebody? What are the things that you notice they do really well? And just start to dig into the things that they value most. And it'll be so amazing how quickly you'll be able to draw parallels and say, well, that's something that I do really well. And as you start aligning and focusing on what's valuable to them, and validating that, then all of a sudden it becomes so much easier for you to feel confident in being who you are, focusing on the things that resonate between you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so this is such an important conversation because um, I don't know if you've heard of the rule books, the rules books. These are these are books written by these women who created all these rules for women who uh, was supposed to create value. It was supposed to have women value themselves. But what it really did was tell women to be fake, be manipulative, and try to get the elusive guy who doesn't want to commit by not being available, by not really saying what you really want to say. Um, and it's some of the worst advice I've ever heard. And there's been a lot of people who have you know, spoken out against these rules books. And so what I, what I teach my clients is the opposite. It's, it's be authentic from the first conversation and have these kinds of conversations that you're talking about and stop guessing. Stop trying to somehow figure out what this person is looking for without, without asking. You don't know anything. Um, but yeah. it can't be an interrogation either. So um, I actually was, was on a first phone call the other day with, with somebody that I met through an online dating site, and, and he said, are you willing to relocate? He lives pretty far away. So um, I said, yeah, and I thought that was great, and I told him. I said, I'm really glad you asked this because he said, well, why, you know, why would we get into a conversation if one of us isn't willing to relocate because it would never work? And I said, well, yeah, and that's really refreshing to know that you 
are trying to figure that out before we have any further communication. Simple question, really simple, mm-hmm. and some people never ask it. They find out six months into a relationship, hey, neither one of us is willing to move, and we're really involved now, and it's going to be really hard to break up. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Now, that rapport is always important. If you, you, know, you don't rapid-fire interrogation questions, but you really just seek to understand for the right reasons, um, it never will. It won't come across in, in the wrong way, but it's important to. You just can't operate without that information, and it's one of the first things I think that vanishes when we really, when we kind of go back to instincts, is we forget to ask the questions. So that's a really important factor. Mm-hmm. So what are other questions like you say? What is it that you're looking for in a relationship? What are some other good questions that you would recommend people ask when they first meet somebody? Um, well, there's a couple of questions that I typically teach from a sales standpoint. And the first one is, now there's obviously variations of this question as it pertains to a, a unique situation, but two great questions, my two favorite questions are, what what do you have right now that you like or what's going really well for you right now? And anytime I interview my clients, this is the first question I'll say is, what's going great? What are some things that are really working out well for you right now? And that helps you really get an idea of some of the things that are important to them, that are really aligned well in their lives right now? Mm-hmm. And the second question is, what are some things that could be better? If you could change some things right now in your life or in your strategy, what would those be? And it's a really open-ended question, but it's a great way just to let them explore and say, okay, here's some things that I would love to see better. Um, another question I always ask uh, a lot of my clients is, on a scale of 1 to 10 with respect to relationships, where are you at right now on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being, couldn't be better, I'm happy where I'm at, 0 being, this, nothing, everything needs to change. And a lot of times if they'll give you a number, I'm a six or I'm a seven right now. And it's so much easier for them to say, okay, what would it take to get you to be a 10? Or what would it take to get you to be an eight or a nine? And it's a little bit easier for people to maybe resonate or to articulate some of the things that are missing in their life right now that they're looking for. Um, but I love those two questions. What's, what's going great and what, if you could change anything, what would it be? Um, it's amazing how much information. Obviously, if you reposition that question, to make sense to the person that you're talking to, of course. Oh, I like those questions. I think <clears throat> um, the last question is more of a coaching question. Um, I don't mm-hmm. see how you could put that in a dating context uh, because you're you're obviously dating because relationships are not. I mean, relationships are happening outside of the dating arena. Um, hopefully, you've got good friendships and. That matters a lot, actually, to know what a person's life is like outside of the dating arena. But um, mm-hmm. we used to do a wheel of life. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that with clients, where you break up a wheel into eight pie parts, and they they reflect different areas of your life, like your uh, recreation, um, health and well-being, your friendships, your family, uh, money, you know, how how all these parts of your life are are going. And we mm-hmm. would have people rate it for, on a scale of 1 to 10. And I would do the same question, you know, what, what would need to change for you to get to a 10? Um, this is one of the assessment tools that we use in coaching when we first start working with clients. Um, and it's really a great tool because people, people know, like if I just added this or stopped doing that, it could really make a huge difference in my life. It's really funny, isn't it, how ask how intuitive those answers become for them uh, when you make it more of a logical discussion. I mean, you know, I think, uh, I'm trying to think who said it, but I think it might have been Tony Robbins, you know, 
great questions. Great people ask great questions, you know, and it's, sometimes it's just putting something, taking the emotion out of it, of something and just saying, okay, where am I at? And logically speaking, what are some of the things that I can do to get to the next level? We know this. A lot of, most people, I mean, I'm sure you've discovered the same thing. Sometimes they just need somebody to help them kind of arrive at their own already known conclusions, but just that ability to make it a bit more logical seems to help facilitate the natural things that we already know that we should be doing. Yeah, I think most of the things that we uncover in coaching are things that people know, but they mm-hmm. they bury it, they forget that they have the ability to, you know, to do to do better in their lives and they just need a little support. Um and it's great to be that mirror for them to show them who they are and and who they're mm-hmm. becoming. Um so let's talk about communication a little bit more cuz I'm really immersed in this right now. I'm teaching a 4-week communication course to women about how to talk to men. So I would love to hear, number one, um, some of the differences, if you, you know, if you've seen differences in how men and women communicate and what are some of the key ways that, uh, that they do differ and what are some of the strategies that you might suggest for, let's say, women who want to talk to men and really connect better. Okay. Um, so I'm going to... The first, okay, so my, my, the first answer to that is I think women communicate a lot better than men do, so <laughs> let's just get that out of the way. I, I, think I, I think there's a statistic. I wish I could uh, quote the source, but when it comes to body language, I think it takes, for every um, men, it takes I think seven signals for a man to catch for every one that a woman can catch. In other words, we are horrible at reading women and body language, and we're just... <laughs> I think naturally we're we're not we just lack in the communication department, especially when it comes to trying to decipher and understand uh, what's being said. So it's really important that I think first of all that women understand that sometimes it appears that we're aloof and we're not picking up signals. Partly we aren't, and the other part is it's not that we're not trying. It's just ability the same way that some women do or most women do to to pick up on the nonverbal cues that are being delivered. Um, here's a really interesting thought though sandy you know as i this actually i came across this in with respect to a a big career disappointment i i had a job that i was really excited about in my career and thought it was kind of the launching pad for a really exciting uh, executive career which i later discovered wasn't for me but it was a, a job that lasted about six months and ended in a dismal failure and it challenged about everything i thought i was good at or thought i wanted to do in my life and so I ended up hiring a coach, and I went through and did a personality assessment. I spent a lot of time digging into kind of my natural disposition, my strengths, my weaknesses. And the reason I bring it up is because I've discovered that the the way that it helped me understand the way I communicate with my wife, with my children, with my coworkers in every environment, it gave me so much clarity and so much insight. It actually brought me back from a really depressed and discouraged state because I was really questioning the things I thought I was good at. And it was really interesting to have an objective analysis that said, here's your strengths. Here's some of the things that you're naturally disposed and really good at. Here's some of the weaknesses that you should be aware of. And you should, I mean, not to avoid these situations, but just be aware of it so that you understand and can put some things in context. And I can't tell you how powerful that was for my my relationship and my ability to communicate. Because the truth is we all have different styles. Some of us, male or female, we're auditory, we're kinesthetic, we're digital, auditory, digital. We all have different ways of communicating. 
and receiving and really resonating with what's being said. Um, and so what I've discovered is the ability to understand how you communicate well is a really, really important factor. And so investing in some a way to discover your personality, one that I endorse is Myers-Briggs. Um, and it's because it's so powerful because I can see that one of the areas when I get discouraged or if I'm having a bad day, I'll retreat to a cave. That's kind of what I do personally. And it's really important for my wife to understand that if I do go retreat to my cave, it's not her fault and it's not something that she did wrong. Um, I now know that it's important for me to acknowledge that, hey, honey, I had a really stressful day today. I need to go and kind of be in the cave for just a few minutes to kind of recenter myself and get my thoughts together. And then I'll come back and I'll be ready to go. But I want you to understand that it's it's nothing between us. There's nothing that you did wrong. And so I think that insight and understanding your personality is a really, really critical step uh, to, to become an effective communicator so you know what you're looking for in communication and you can also understand some of the areas where you might need to support or help to make sure that the person that you're communicating with is understanding you properly. Excellent. These are fabulous tips. And um, I want to thank you so much for coming to the show today. Unfortunately, we're out of time. And uh, people can find you at bradharper.com. Yep. Correct. Okay. And uh, buy his book. And um, this has been really wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sandy. Appreciate the time. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. And I hope you all go in your last. 